If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Before we begin tonight's episode, I'd like to hear from you. I've really enjoyed sharing my stories with you listeners, and I'd love to know which parts of my stories relax you the most, and which of them help you drift off to sleep. Please use the link in the description to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast super snoozy especially for you come settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story as always don't worry if you fall asleep before the end you can drift off whenever you're ready Join me beside the fire and I'll tell you of the day I first met Otto. It was right over there where the last of the evening sun is hitting the twisting trunk of that tree that I met the schnauzer and made a friend for life. Before we begin our journey back through time and across the clearing tonight take a moment to relax to take stock of the day and give gratitude to all of the friendships and connections that bring joy and beauty into your life. Lying there relaxing, draw a deep breath in and welcome the stillness and silence of the night into your body. Exhaling, Feel yourself sinking into relaxation and settling deeper into the soft cushions beneath you. With each cycle of your breath, feel your mind beginning to clear. Breath by breath, your thoughts are falling away until there is only feeling 
left lingering within you. Now, without the clatter and chaos of thought to be of distraction, take the time to check in on how you're truly feeling tonight. Without judgment, sink into the sensitivity and softness that's bound up at your core. It is those feelings that make us truly human, that bring colour and light into life. So allow yourself a moment to honour them, guilt-free. Now, consider all of the people you have in your life to be truly grateful for. Those who make you laugh the loudest, smile the widest, and bring out the best in you are the people worth cherishing. Feel the gentle fizz of thanks, the joy and positive energy that is born of true gratitude washing through your body and ridding you of any remaining stress or tension. Feel that gratitude readying you for a night of deep rest and relaxation. Now, If you're feeling ready, our story can begin. That morning ticked along like any other. I awoke on the beach with the sun's warmth tickling at my toes and sat quietly watching the sunrise until it was high enough in the sky to bathe my entire body in its golden rays and warm the soft sands beneath me. The birds began their morning chorus and the cloudless sky blazed a bright blue. Of course, as had been the case ever since I began trying to grow my own vegetables in nightfalls, my makeshift allotment had been thoroughly rummaged through. Once again, I had woken to find the roots of all my plants torn out, and yet again, their fruit, and not least the fruits of my labour, were nowhere to be seen. Every last strawberry was gone, and the same could have been said for the bright orange carrots I had hoped to harvest that very morning. The scoundrels had at least had the common decency to leave me a single head of cauliflower and I supposed that counted for something. Thankfully, it had already become apparent to me that the soil that nightfalls grows upon is particularly fertile so I didn't feel too put out. In the days prior to that sunny morning in the clearing I had planted seeds in the morning and sat beside them, whiling away the hours with a book in hand as the plants grew beside me. It never took more than a few hours before the shoots began to poke above the surface of the earth, and by early evening, the fresh fruit I craved was almost always fully formed. I would take what I needed for my dinner, and leave the rest to grow overnight. Or rather, 
to whatever entity was filling its belly off of my fruits and vegetables as I slept unaware on the beach. It wasn't too much of a trial or tribulation to share the fruit of my labour, for nightfalls had always provided and proved itself to be bountiful day upon day. It was more the mystery than the mere inconvenience of it all that played upon my mind. That same morning, I had hoped to take a walk up the hillside and onto the western ridge. I packed myself a picnic basket, for I had thought that I might pass the evening watching the sunset and snacking on cucumber sandwiches before wandering back down to the clearing. It wasn't until I set about putting my hiking boots on that I realised that not only were all of my strawberries gone, but a good deal of my socks seemed to have gone missing too. On the surface of it, the two cases seemed as though they had to be unrelated, but having not made much use of the nightfall's magic, In the few days prior, I couldn't shake the feeling that perhaps it was the magic of nightfalls, bored and waiting to be wielded, that was playing games with me and trying to get my attention. Sockless, I set my boots down and wandered towards the lake, to the water that rolled off of the falls and the magic that flowed over the cliff edge with it. I waded a little into its depth and began to splash at it. In the past, the lake had always splashed back, but that day, the water remained still. Minutes passed with no response as I tired myself out splashing at the water. The magic had not bitten back, and I was beginning to wonder if I'd been mistaken in thinking it the culprit. I thought perhaps, if the magic wasn't in the mood for games, it might prefer for me to work with it, and use some of it myself. I thought that might be just the thing to get its attention. The water lapped at my waist as I waded in a little deeper, and placed my hands into the water. I took a deep breath in, and with that breath, drew the magic that was bound up and fizzing in each and every particle of the water into my body. I found that, much like a magnet, having bound the magic in the water to my body, I was able to draw the water from the lake and have it follow my hands in great swathes. It was exhilarating having such power at my fingertips and such command over an element. Even with the gallons of water I drew from the lake and the pictures I painted with it across the sky, just as one might with a sparkler, the magic never bit back. It never even murmured to me. I decided it must have been off creating mischief elsewhere, 
and although the time I had passed in the lake that day had taught me an excellent party trick, I knew that for all my efforts, I was still no closer to finding my socks. I decided that before I searched elsewhere, or came up with any other far-flung hypotheses about who or what had taken it upon themselves to repossess half of my sock drawer, I really ought to check I hadn't left them over on the other side of the lake. I tend to wash my clothes over on the westernmost side of the lake, for there's a small rock pool where the water is even glassier than it is in the lake. Once washed, I'd made a habit of hanging my clothes out on the branches of the twisted old tree just behind the rock pool. That little corner of nightfalls seems to catch the most sunlight. It's the first to be doused in the golden rays at daybreak, and the last to be silvered by the starlight, making it the perfect sun trap in which to dry clothes. It wasn't a long walk over to the far side of the lake. My feet padded slowly across the warm sands as the sun dried my skin. In truth, nothing could have prepared me for what I found when I arrived at the far side of the clearing. Curled at the foot of my makeshift washing line and bundled up in a pile of my blankets, was the sleeping schnauzer who would later become my friend, Otto. The dog had one sock on his left ear and another half chewed between his teeth and I knew him immediately to be the sock-thieving rogue I had been searching for. Otto's fur looked soft and his ears floppy as he dozed lazily in the sunshine and even with my half-mangled sock between his teeth, I found it rather difficult not to like him. I wasn't sure if the dog had always been in nightfalls, and our paths had simply never crossed, or if perhaps the magic had summoned him here to keep me company in the clearing. Indeed, our meeting is a mystery I've never quite gotten to the bottom of, despite the fact that upon our happening to meet, I had assumed both the case of the missing socks and that of the stolen vegetables to be rather neatly tied up. At the time, I was near certain that the lazy-looking canine had been helping himself to my fresh fruit, and, in truth, it was hard to stay angry at him when his arm and eyes were so glossy and his tail wagged so highly in the air as he awoke to make my acquaintance. Over time, Otto proved to be just what I needed. But our friendship began as few do, with me on my knees in the mud, trying to wrangle my socks from between his front teeth. When I finally emerged the victor, I rewarded him as handsomely as I knew how to, by ruffling the fur behind his ears. And that must have seemed fair price to him, 
for the dog followed me home that night. Weeks passed with Otto, matching me step for step around the clearing. Our friendship grew thick and fast. The silences were comfortable, and the companionship a luxury. There's something truly wonderful about getting to know a being you don't share a common language with. Otto couldn't tell me that he didn't like the water, but I could sense his uneasiness each time I got a little too near to the edge of the lake for his liking. I much suspected that the only reason Otto feared the water was because he hadn't the foggiest idea of how to swim and felt sure that if he were to simply dip a paw in, it might set him at ease. One particular evening, when I felt I knew his temperament well enough to push him a little out of his comfort zone, I decided it might be nice to have a barbecue at the water's edge. I knew, of course, that Otto would be simply unable to resist the smell of the charred food, and... Just as I suspected, by the time the vegetables were beginning to crisp up, his sniffer had led him right down to the beach before the lake. I'm quite sure he hadn't even taken the time to look up, and had simply scented the barbecue, put his nose to the ground, and followed the smell to its very source. Otto could smell food a mile off, I might have made an excellent police sniffer dog in another life. Though in this life, it seemed clear he had elected to use his skill to create more mischief than do good. The dog leapt up and nabbed a mushroom from between my barbecue tongs before I even had a chance to react. I couldn't help but laugh at his cunning as he tucked in, for I knew that Otto thought he had outplayed me. Once the rest of the food had finished crisping up, I carried two plates a little further down the beach and took a seat before the water. Though I sensed Otto was beginning to cotton on to my plan, he followed. There was truly nothing that would stand between my friend Otto and his food. We sat in a comfortable quiet, eating side by side as we stared out upon the lake. Once finished, I set our plates aside and took a moment to relax and digest. I had come to enjoy taking a moment to reflect and be grateful in the evening. I felt grateful for how far I had come for the small wins I was learning to celebrate and the personal growth I had made since my arrival. I was grateful to have come to know Otto and I was even more grateful when, in the next moment, he trusted me enough to follow me down into the shallows of the lake. I waded in a little deeper than him The water was warm as ever when Otto dipped a pawn. At first, he didn't seem to take too well to the lake, shaking his paw off 
as if affronted by the very feel of the water against his fur. Persistent as ever, though, he tried again, and this time he waded out far enough to stand beside me. With each step, he picked up his paws slightly too high, as if to try and shake the water off of himself, even as he continued to wade into it. When he reached me, he leapt up into my arms, and though he was no puppy, I kept hold of him for as long as my arms would allow. As the minutes passed, he seemed to relax. His breath slowed and his ears began to flop beside his face once more. It was only then that I waded a little further out, just far enough that my feet began to come away from the bottom. I think Otto could tell that I was floating and could feel us both beginning to gently bob upon the surface of the lake. It wasn't long before he seemed to be wondering how he might be able to float as easily by himself. And that's when I began to let go of him. He didn't panic. Otto was calm as a cucumber and approached almost everything with the same sense of curiosity and play that dogs always do. Our four-legged friends never seem to grow out of their sense of playfulness or to grow fearful of failure. I took great joy in seeing him realise that in order to stay afloat, he simply had to take a deep breath in and begin to paddle his front and back paws through the water. As he swam across the lake, the water lapping around him, I could have sworn I saw him smiling. It was that day, paddling in the lake, that I thought to name the dog Otto. For in the water, he seemed as playful as any otter I'd ever seen. Maybe Otto wasn't really his name, and I mused that Perhaps he had always thought of himself as more of a Peter or a Stephen, for Otto never really came when I called. It was, however, clear to me that he knew I was calling him. Often, I'd find myself calling his name to try and deter him from rolling around in the mud that squelches underfoot in parts of the forest. He'd always look back at me on those occasions, his eyes bright, as though daring me to try and stop him before he dove head first into the mud and made sure it was thoroughly matted into his undercoat. He would gleefully trot back towards me and splatter me with it as he shook his fur out before bounding off into the distance once more. Tired out by the hours spent paddling in the warm waters of the lake, we swam to shore together and meandered back up the beach. As we dried out, I thought perhaps it might be a good idea to play a quick game of fetch. I'd learned fast 
that it was always best to tire Otto out as much as possible before I planned on going to sleep. And though I myself hadn't the energy left to do anything more exerting than lounge at the edge of the forest and throw the tennis ball a few times for him to fetch, Otto seemed to be bouncing with energy. Each time I tossed the ball, Otto bounded back with it. Our game went on as normal at first, with Otto returning each time a little less energised. But the final time I threw the ball, he didn't return at all. I thought at first that perhaps the ball had gotten stuck somewhere, or lost in the undergrowth. And I was just about to join Otto in his search for it, when I saw something scurrying through the thicket. Peering a little closer, I realised that it was Otto, chasing a collection of different woodland creatures through the forest and herding the group towards me. A fawn glided gracefully through the trees and towards me. The tennis ball was grasped between her teeth. A young fox trotted happily beside her. And behind them followed a red squirrel, doing a great job of keeping up with the group for a creature with such little legs. My instinct was to assume that Otto was simply chasing these poor creatures through the trees. As they neared me, however, and the deer dropped the tennis ball proudly at my feet, I realised that the animals all seemed rather well acquainted with one another. Even Otto, who tended to be a little boisterous at times, seemed to know not to make any sudden moves that might startle flightier animals like the fawn or the squirrel. In awe of the life and friendship I had found for myself in nightfalls, I threw the ball for them once more, and they all chased after it, bounding off into the thicket together. Awaiting their return, it suddenly struck me that, whilst Otto was certainly a sock thief, he might not have been the scoundrel behind my torn-up vegetable patch. In fact, he didn't really seem to like my carrots or cauliflowers. I decided that if I were to begin harvesting some of the leftover fruits and vegetables before I went to bed and take them out to the edge of the thicket, then the woodland animals would be able to gather what they needed and take it back to their respective nests and burrows without having to tear up the roots of my plants. I didn't mind sharing with the creatures of Nightfalls one bit, for Nightfalls had shared its beauty and bounty with me every day, and it felt rather good to be able to give something back. I left the animals lolloping in the last of the evening sun and headed back to my little allotment to carefully pick the fruit. I packed the fresh food into a basket I had woven of soft, fallen twigs and reeds, and once it was laden with fruit and veg, I wandered back to the edge of the thicket, 
where Otto and his friends were still relaxing. They all appeared to be resting, their eyes closed, and their breaths long and lazy. But the minute they caught the scent of the basket's content, I saw noses beginning to twitch, pairs of ears pricking up, and eyes opening. The woodland animals tucked in, gorging themselves on as much as they could before attempting to take the remaining fruits back to their respective burrows and nests. The only one who wasn't a scratch interested in the fruits and vegetables was Otto, who seemingly preferred his food attentively barbecued and who looked like he was thoroughly ready for bed. As the squirrel disappeared into the canopy of the trees, Otto and I made the short walk back to the beach. I stretched out lazily upon the cooling sands, and Otto settled himself on top of my feet. My eyes drifted closed, and I drifted off into a deep sleep, grateful to have shared another perfect day before the falls with my sock-thieving friend, Otto.